When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and nice warm temperatures for this afternoon with Met Aaron telling us uh, to enjoy this little bit of warm weather at the moment because by tomorrow a cold front is moving in and it's bringing with it heavy showers which are going to extend across the weekend. So for example Met Aaron is saying Saturday is going to be a cloudy breezy day widespread showers but the temperatures are going to be way down. We're talking about just 13 to 17 degrees Celsius on Saturday and Sunday continuing in much the same vein even though Sunday probably the better day of the weekend there will be some sunny spells that will brighten up the gaps but that'll be in between the showers so enjoy whatever bit of warm weather that we have uh, today John Paul back answering your calls at 0818 103 103 unfortunately no luck picking up the award at the Justice Media Awards yesterday but there was some good news for C103 because our own Mairead Tuig our news reporter she picked up a merit award yesterday Day at the Justice Media Awards at the Law Society. So congratulations to our Maraid. So John Paul, taking your calls, you can text, you can WhatsApp this morning to 0862103103 and the vacant home tax. God, how long have they been talking about the vacant home tax? Anyway, it's back in the papers uh, today. But it's set to be delayed once again. This time, the reason for the delay is the government is now considering using data from householders' energy consumption to try to work out how many homes are actually empty. The idea being, if you have a house that's using little or no electricity, the thought pattern is that house must be empty. The Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, had said previously that the local property tax returns was showing a very low level of vacancy across the country. But the government and obviously the officials were disputing and they were saying, OK, this is the local property tax are saying, but they believe that there are actually many more vacant uh, properties. So uh, officials within the department are now seeking to obtain data. They're going to have to go to the Central Statistics Office on properties' electricity usage to identify whether they are vacant or not. Now it comes as preliminary CSO results which are due to be published today will show the latest figures on the number of vacant properties around the country but they want to cross-reference that then with electricity uh, usage and of course the Housing Minister Dara O'Brien yesterday said that this vacant homes tax 
is going to be very much part of the October budget because they are looking at it as a budgetary measure and they see it as a way of generating income by taxing people who have vacant homes and also I'm assuming one of the main reasons that has been mentioned for a vacant home tax is in the hope that rather than having a house that's sitting there empty and you will have to pay money to allow it to sit empty, the hope is that, that, that those houses will be rented out or sold on and would end up being offered as housing to people who are current because we are currently in the mid- middle of a housing crisis. So how do they come up with the idea of looking to see how much electricity is used in a property to see if it's vacant or not? It seems that other countries have done it. Vancouver for example, where they authorities there analysed electricity consumption data and that gave the good people of Vancouver, the powers that be, very significant insights into which properties were actually empty. And in Belgium, they've done something similar, but they actually tracked water and electricity consumption. And by doing that, they were able to find out houses that were vacant. Now, I was reading in the paper this morning that Cork Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould he was following a freedom of information uh, request. He says seeking data could delay the vacant homes tax by years. He said this could actually take a number of years if you're going to have to run comparisons between houses year on year. And obviously that's what you'd have to do to assess if the house is actually vacant or not or when did it become vacant. If you're going to cross-reference how much electricity was used one year versus what was used uh, the next year. So he's not happy about that. And he's saying that if the department wanted to go down this route, they should have done that work four or five uh, years ago and he reckons by doing it now and by looking for additional data to try to work out which houses are vacant and which are not he says that's just going to be another delay and he wants this introduced obviously as soon as possible so it will raise money for the exchequer but at the same time hopefully the theory behind it would be that people would just rent out the houses instead so it hasn't gone away the vacant homes tax that just talks about now looking at energy usage in instead to determine what houses are vacant. 0818 103 103. And then yesterday I was contacted by a listener. This was when it was mentioned that Leia Healthcare is going to start refunding families. I think it's from the 1st of July. Works out at something like €85 per adult. And I think for a family of two adults and two children, Leia are giving back a refund on people's premiums of uh, up to €240. So a listener contacted us yesterday because their health insurance provider is Irish Life. And they wondered, would Irish Life be paying back some kind of a refund to families this year. Well, I'm sad to report to that listener and anybody else who gets their health insurance through Irish Life. They've ruled out paying out refunds to their uh, customers and they say instead they'll continue to give um, they, they, they're not going to give back refunds. They're going to help through premiums. Now, it's the second time that Leia have given money back since the pandemic began. And of course, we know the VHI Healthcare, they paid out a third rebate to their members in May with a family of two adults and two children getting typical refunds of €400. And the reason for all of this is that health insurers are making huge savings because fewer people are claiming 
from their health insurance for procedures in public hospitals. Why? Because of COVID-related overcrowding. People are not ending up in hospital getting procedures done. So therefore, they're not getting back on to their health insurance provider to say, I had this work done. I want to claim money back. But Irish Life say no, no refunds. It will instead aim to keep premiums down. Now that's despite the fact that it did pay out refunds in early 2020 kind of at the start of the pandemic but that was at the time, remember when the private hospitals and clinics were taken over by the state and they weren't available for anyone to have procedures carried out uh, through their health cover and for that reason all of the main providers handed out money at the start of uh, 2020. So Irish Life were asked whether it would follow VHI and Leia with more refunds and Irish Life Health say it's taking a sustainable approach and managing savings for their customers through their uh, prices. So sadly, I don't have good news for Irish Life uh, insurance uh, health insurance um, holders but if they stick to their word and your premiums are down when they're up for renewal, then in that way, that could in some way be seen as a refund. I mentioned the vacant home tax uh, that looks like it's going to be delayed again because the government now considering getting collecting data from households' energy consumption to try to work out which homes are empty and which are not. Somebody says, Hi Patricia, what about the breach of GDPR in using people's data from their bills? I actually, the same thing went through my head uh, as well. But I was reading down, I was trying to get as much information on this as I could before I came to air this morning. And it seems this is coming like directly from the civil servants and the advisors to the government. So obviously they've checked out there isn't any GDPR by going to the likes of the ESB and getting information on what is electricity usage. And I know one civil servant was saying that all available data regarding vacancy should be collected. And they cited a bank of data is available within the ESB and the local property tax figures. And that will show the extent of uh, vacancy. But of course, before they can introduce a vacant home tax, they have to work out how long is a property uh, vacant? Is it short term in nature? Is it long term in nature? Because you straight away would think a vacant property, somebody that's gone into a nursing home under the fair deal scheme. And I know there's lots of talk about um, uh, trying to change that. But, but when elderly people end up in a nursing home and their ha- their property can't then be rented out because if it does, it's seen as income and the income then, a uh, portion of the income has to go towards the cost of the nursing home cover. And because of that, there's been a number of houses vacant uh, in this country. I mean, those houses, are they going to be included on a vacant home uh, tax? So there's a lot still to be worked on, but it's also working out like how long is a house vacant? You know, a house might be vacant for a period of time. Say why somebody has gone in to residential care or gone into a nursing home or gone in for respite, but then they're going to come back again. Do they get, they're going to come back and live in the house? Do they have to pay a vacant tax for the months that the house is empty? What about holiday homes that can be empty for long periods of the year and then they're lived in for the summer months and at Easter? So I I don't know. There's still a lot to be decided before we actually introduce a vacant home tax but Dara O'Brien is adamant that the vacant home tax uh, would be a part would be a budgetary measure now is he hoping that it'll be a budgetary measure for next October looking at what's in the papers today it certainly is going to take longer than October between now and October to work out exactly which houses are vacant and how much that vacant property tax is going to actually be set at. But thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Later on this morning, I'll be playing a 
clip from a Christy Moore track and then I'll give you your cue to text or WhatsApp as to 0862 103 103 because yes I do have another pair of tickets to get you to go along and see Christy Moore live when he plays live at the Marquee on this Saturday night tickets are still available at ticketmaster.ie but your chance to win a pair of tickets today and we'll have the final pair of tickets to give away tomorrow Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business Farm Life and Health Insurance, cmig.ie. Now, as we mentioned yesterday, Ireland now tops the table, along with notoriously pricey Denmark, as the most expensive country in the EU for everyday expenses, leading to a call for a Consumer Affairs Minister to be appointed. One of those looking for such an appointment is Dara Cassidy of Bonkers.ie, who joins me. Uh, Good morning to you, Dara. Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Is there a feeling that your website is very aptly named when, you, when you're considering some of these increases? Some of them really are bonkers. <laughs> they are. Um, and as you said, those figures from your stat showing that price is a 40% above average. Um, probably maybe not that surprising to a lot of people, uh, but it doesn't make it any easier to digest. And the cost of living now in Ireland is higher than other traditionally expensive countries such as Luxembourg, Sweden, uh, Finland. Um, so it, it's an expensive place to live, Ireland. Obviously, wages here are higher. Are they high enough so, to cope and to offset the higher prices? Probably not enough. And um, it's only getting worse as inflation is now running at 7 8% a year and it's probably going to get worse over the next few weeks. And when I mentioned this uh, yesterday, because it got so much uh, newspaper coverage yesterday, was I right in saying that those figures were, the Eurostat figures were based on the 2021 figures, so they haven't taken in what's happened since the start of 2022? Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, in fairness, obviously, other countries have been subject to huge inflation as well. So it's all relative, so I'm not sure how much more expensive will be next year when um, compared to other countries. But you're right, these figures were compiled in 2021 and some things that they won't take into account. So if you just look at maybe some of the figures of where we come up particularly poorly, one is when it comes to alcohol and tobacco, uh, where we're by far the most expensive in the EU. Um, those figures would have been compiled before minimum unit pricing on alcohol was introduced, which has increased prices even further. Now, Obviously, it's debatable as to whether or not we think MEP should have been brought in. Some people will say it's right from a health point of view. That's debatable. But it, it's just a fact that next year, when the figures for 2022 will probably be even more expensive for alcohol and tobacco. Um, we're, we're third, fourth most expensive for hotels. And obviously, this summer, we've seen huge increases in hotel rates. So that's probably going to be interesting to look at next year as well. And um, it's, yeah, and then obviously things like gas, electricity, communication costs have all been going up here in recent times. And yeah, it, it's forever you look, Patricia. Yeah, and actually, actually yesterday somebody sent me in an example of one night in Dublin. It was in the Marker Hotel. Now, I know that is a five-star hotel, but it was one night for two adults and one child. €1,400. I mean, how does any hotel justify that for bed and breakfast? Yeah, no, it, it is it's 
it seems like crazy prices. Now, I do think a lot of people are probably going online and almost purposely getting the absolute most expensive hotel rates that they can post online. So I do think that there is slightly better, ever so slightly better value out there. But certainly we've seen huge increases in hotel prices, car rental prices uh, over the past few weeks. And um, certainly if you're a tourist coming to Ireland this summer, you're going to need pretty deep pockets. Mm, absolutely. Now, the government constantly saying, and it seems like a new mantra coming out of Micheál Martin, that they can't chase inflation. So they're saying no help until at least the October budget. Do you believe they could be doing more between now and October? I think they could be doing more in general. I do somewhat agree with the government, Patricia, and that they can't be coming out with new measures every week, every day, every month. We can't necessarily chase inflation. And also Ireland is a high-wage economy, whether or not the wages are high enough to offset the cost of living, of course, is debatable. So, you know, Patricia, we're never going to have wine for one euro or coffees for one euro. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to places like Moldova or Bulgaria. But we are very, very expensive. And I think that some costs can and should be brought down. And I think there are a lot of costs within the government's control that it can look at, such as childcare costs, such as VAT, we've one of the most one of the highest rates of VAT in the world at twenty three percent. We've huge excise on alcohol. There's a lot of hidden costs as well, Patricia, that the government has. So, you know, there can be stamp duty of up to four to six percent on home insurance, car insurance policies. If you have a credit card, the government charges twenty five euro a year stamp duty. If you pay motor tax and you can't afford to pay the motor tax in one year, you get penalised for paying yeah, it. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. There's just lots of those little things that really bug me that I think the government should look at, and of course, childcare costs as well. Yeah, and they all, uh, all those little ones, all add up. It's like when people are talking about going to the supermarket. You know, week on week, things are increasing by you know five cent, ten cent, twenty cent. But it's when you add them all up on a trolley yeah. load of food that you really notice. Goodness me, I am paying so much more this week than what I paid last week or even uh, last month. Now, talk to me about this, the the idea of a Minister for Consumer Affairs and how do you believe such an appointment would help? Well, I feel government is very well represented by business interests and that's fine and that's a good thing because we need business. They create jobs, they create employment, they create income tax. But it feels as if the consumer isn't represented at cabinet level, at government level. Um, And like I said, we have various uh, cabinet positions or ministers of state that represent various business interests, but we've no one that represents properly at government level, I feel, the consumer, which is why I would like to see uh, a minister of state for consumer affairs or potentially a cabinet minister um, that can focus more on consumer issues. Do other countries have such an appointment? Do you know or are you aware of? I'm not aware of it, um, but I think other countries would certainly have stronger voices. We have a lot of government agencies or semi-states and regulators that are supposed to be looking after the consumer that don't. So, for example, the energy regulator is the CRU, the telecoms regulator is Comreg. Um, I, I think Comreg is almost next to useless. If I'm to be honest, um, I think they've no teeth, they've no, they don't have enough power 
if they were on the phone, they'd probably retaliate by saying, well, you know, we need more power, we need more, um, you know, ability to do things. They, they should be demanding it, they should be asking for it, but they're not. It just seems like it's maybe a little bit, you know, too cosy. So maybe they're being, um, these positions are being, you know, created or given by government ministers, then maybe they don't want to rock the boat. I mean, we, we saw with AIR, the absolutely atrocious customer service that it's had recently. Now, it has gotten better. They do need to be commended for that. But we've seen some of the atrocious customer service that AIR has had, and Comrade did kind of you know, nothing, really. Um, and we've now seen a lot of price increases in that area as well, where they all seem to be copying each other, which to me seems a little bit like price signaling. So all the communications providers are coming out saying they're going to increase uh, prices by the rate of inflation, plus maybe 2 or 3% every, every single year. Um, you know, I think the CCPC could be a little bit stronger. Um, maybe they'll say they're understaffed. Maybe they'll say they don't have enough powers. Okay, well, they need to be demanding it. Yeah. And that's where a minister, uh, even a minister for state, somebody, you know, at the cabinet table would be there fighting on behalf of consumers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look now at the tracker scandal as well. Uh, AAB is going to get a huge, huge fine. Um, uh, where were consumer interests there? It was really up to the central bank to step in in many ways. And I think actually the central bank is maybe one of the few agencies that and regulators that's really, really trying to look after consumers. But then again, we have among the highest mortgage rates in the in Eurozone as well. So it just kind of feels like everywhere you look at, we pay a lot in Ireland for things. And I think if we had a stronger voice as a consumer, things may be uh, a little bit better. We're never going to be cheap. I want to be pragmatic, you know, Patricia. We're never going to be as cheap as Spain, as Portugal, and we shouldn't aim to be. We're a rich, rich-ish country, uh, and all richest countries have high prices. But it just feels in Ireland we don't really get anything back for those high prices. Yeah, because um, somebody said that yesterday when I was discussing the fact that we're now, you know, Denmark has always had that sort of label of as being, you know, very high taxes and whatever. But as somebody pointed out, they get a lot more for for their taxes than we we feel we do. Yes, and uh, and sometimes you have a negative perception. I mean, I would often say I don't think the health service here is necessarily as diabolical or as awful as people say it is. But certainly we don't have the free GP care that a lot of other countries would have. We don't have affordable childcare that a lot of other countries have. I mean, it can be free or maybe only one or 200 euros to send a kid to childcare in a lot of other countries, whereas here it can be anywhere from maybe 800 to 1,000 euro. The Greens have done some good stuff on public transport. I know probably in Cork and places outside of Dublin, public transport is almost non-existent. But it's expensive in Dublin, and you go to other countries, and it's, you know, it's half the price yeah. the government subsidises it more. Um, but just quickly, I was in Copenhagen a few months ago, Patricia, and I mean, yes, it was expensive, but I actually did say when I was there, God, it didn't feel as expensive as they thought it was going to be, which is a real reflection of how expensive Dublin has gotten. Mm. I really expected to kind of be more uh, surprised at how expensive things were. But, oh, my God, it was so clean. It was so safe. It was great public transport. You didn't mind paying the higher prices because you really felt as if you were getting a, a five-star experience. But because you're used to paying the Dublin prices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then as consumers, Dara, we can all make some savings by shopping around. I mean, that's what that's what your website, bonkers.ie, is all about. Absolutely. And inflation, as I said, is around 7 or 8%. It's going to get to probably maybe 9% by the end of the year, maybe even slightly more. Unless you are getting 
a 10% pay increase from your very generous employer, you're going to be taking a cut in your, in your, I suppose, your standard of living this year unless you put some money back into your pocket. And really, one of the only ways people can do that now is by switching. So whether it's your broadband, whether it's your mobile, whether it's your mortgage, look at switching. I know I always say it, but it really is the year that do not want to be overpaying for things. So I'd really encourage anyone who's struggling to look at their, your bills, do an analysis of them, and look at those bills that you haven't switched in a few years because they're the ones that you're going to be overpaying on. And, you know, I, I always say that the obsession that we have with switching our car insurance every year and getting a good quote bring that to other products bring yeah. that to your other bills because they don't seem they don't seem to be generous towards the loyal customers it's always particularly with the electricity providers the phone providers the TV providers it's just the best offers are always to the new customers they are and sometimes that is because some of those offers can be loss leaders so a, a business isn't going to you know, want to make a loss and have everyone costing up money but if you're a customer you don't care so mm. what i always say to people is you know you be that customer that's making a business a loss you be the customer that moves or switches and gets a really really good deal now sometimes you can haggle and negotiate with your current supplier and um, sometimes particularly maybe with your broadband or tv provider you can ring up you can threaten to leave and they might be able to give you a bit of a discount and that's particularly good if you are happy with who you're with. So just you know, anecdotally, we draw often hear bonkers, Dolly, people saying that they love being with Sky, for example, and they don't want to leave Sky. So people might threaten to leave and Sky might give them a bit of a discount and they're happy with that. It's worth it. Um, <laughs> it's worth it. We're, we're back to the days of haggling for sure. Yeah, but, but we never thought true. we'd be haggling for TV and I know, uh, electricity. But it's worth a try. It's worth a try. And you can do it with your other providers as well. But what I would say to listeners is that usually the price you get when you haggle is not going to be quite as good as the price that you get when you switch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's switching every year when your contract is up. Well, you don't have to switch, but take a look every year. Yeah, take a look every year. And, you know, sometimes it's not always about price. Sometimes when it comes to maybe broadband or TV or even insurance, it's about getting a better quality service. And maybe with car insurance, it's about being maybe better, uh, better insured. So it's not always about money, although I do think this year money is going to be people's main focus and main reason why people want to switch. Okay. All right. Listen, Dara, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. And people can uh, check out uh, more on your website, bonkers.ie. But thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to uh, uh, Dara Cassidy of bonkers.ie. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Okay, Michael in Castledonbury reacting to my piece with Dara from bonkers.ie about the need for a minister for consumer affairs, somebody who would be at the cabinet table fighting on behalf of us, the good people of Ireland. Michael says creating an extra minister at cabinet table is not going to give anyone anything extra. It's the same pot of money by the finance department, less the cost of the minister. Back in the 80s, when we had high interest rates and inflation, our handouts were very few. It is the older people who are being hit the hardest. Today's generation are not cutting their cloth to their measure. And that's from uh, Michael. Thank you for that, Michael, to 0862-103-103. And by the way, just to let you know that the Chemical Brothers 
the, the band, the Chemical Brothers. They've cancelled their gig tonight in Musgrave Park. Now, I heard this on the news earlier this morning and it is due to illness, so they're not saying any more. So I'm assuming some of the some or more of the band members have become unwell. And unfortunately, at very short notice, they have cancelled the gig, which is to say was due on tonight. But then what annoyed a number of people was they've announced they will go ahead and they will play Glastonbury tomorrow night, Friday. So they've cancelled the Thursday gig in Musgrave Park. But the, whichever member or members are sick, they reckon they'll be OK to play Glastonbury tomorrow night. And some people are a bit annoyed about that. And Jim is contacted on our Twitter at C103 Cork. Uh, Jim is from Wexford. He has a fan, obviously, of the Chemical Brothers, has his ticket booked, but also has his hotel booked. Now, he says when he heard the news this morning, he's still going to come to Cork, but he feels very, very unfair at such short notice to cancel a gig. And he said, all well and good, if a band member is sick, you know, these things unfortunately happen. But he says, how can somebody be sick one day, but they're going to be okay for a gig the following night? And uh, Jim said it's too late for him to get a refund on his hotel so he's decided to, well listen come on down to or, or would you come over from Wexford you would come over to us and you'll have a lovely evening but it is disappointing if you're a big fan of the, the, you'd be really disappointed because you, you, you know you want to look forward to seeing them as well but then to be out of pocket because of it is just a tad annoying as well thank you that was Jim on our uh, Twitter uh, feed on the vacant property tax that we know the government are hoping to introduce but it looks like it's going to be delayed again and what they're now talking about doing is that they're going to look at electricity u- usage in particular houses to work out which house is vacant and which house is not vacant. Now, I've never come across this before, but a listener says, good luck trying to find out which houses are occupied or which houses are vacant based around electricity usage. There are at least three or four notorious tight wads, is how this listener describes, sharing an ESP meter between houses. And this listener says that this is fairly common in uh, rural Ireland don't think I have ever heard of that happening where you'd have three or four households all sharing one electricity meter. Surely the electricity bill for that particular property, whichever property it is, would be astronomically high if you had three or four houses sharing off the one. Haven't come across it before, but according to this listener, it does happen. 0818 103 103. Let me stay with the cost of everything going up. Mary is in Mallow. Good morning to you, Mary. Hi, Patricia. You've noticed the price of milk is rising. Tell me more. I bought a two-litre carton of the low-fat milk, right, on Monday. It was €2.11. I went to the same shop today for the same milk, and it is now €2.32. Now, 21 cents in three days the same carton of milk is gone up. And, and they also told me in the shop that bread is hitting the roof as well. Yeah, we, that was forecast earlier in the year that we were going to have a problem with bread because it's to do with the, the wheat and flour, isn't it? But the, go back to the milk. I mean, €2.11 Euro for a two-litre drum of low-fat milk. That was well under €2, Euro, wasn't it, last year? It was. Last year, it was one ninety-seven. Yeah. So and then it went up, to, but see, they've done away with the litre and a half. 
Yeah. They're after rounding it off now to two litres. Okay. So now the two litres was two euros and 11 cents on Monday. I went over today, it's only Thursday, and it is now two euros, 32 cents. And it's always more economical to buy a two litre drum than it is to buy one litre on its own. So God knows what the one litre has gone up to. Yeah, well, that's what it is now for the two litre. Um, it's two euros and 32 cents. It went up 21 cents within three days. Yeah, and you see, it's all those little, small increases. I mean, 21 cents doesn't sound like a lot. But, no. when, but when it's already gone up, there was already 12 cents added to it when it went to two euro 11, say, from the one, or even more, you said it was 197. But it's all the small. And if you're doing a full trolley, load. You mightn't even notice it. Yeah, it's only when you're buying one item like that. Yeah, it's only when I went just for that on its own because I normally throw it into my trolley with my shop. But when I was buying it today on its own and I said it to the staff over. I said, look, I said, this is a joke. I said, 21 cents in three days. They said it's all going up and braids is going hitting the roof and that I'd have been better off if I bought a cow. <laughs> Good luck with that, Mary. <laughs> or right, listen, thanks for that. And uh, and okay. thanks and thanks for drawing our attention to it. Keep an eye out on that. That is milk is rising. Then somebody said food was too cheap for too long, says uh somebody. And uh, hence we are now paying more for everything. But you see, we're paying more for everything. But the problem is that wages haven't gone up. People who are living on social welfare, their last increase was the five euro that they received from last year's uh, budget. So if you are living on a set income and you've no way of making extra money, for people at work, they may be able to get a bit of overtime. But then people say if you get too much overtime, it goes, you end up paying more out on tax. But people who are on very fixed budgets and have X amount to spend every week, be it on food, if everything is rising. I mean, 21 cent on two litres of milk in three days. I mean, where is it going to be? Is it going to go up again in another uh, three days? It's, it's just all of the small Things are adding up and adding up, but people's wages and people's social welfare income, unfortunately, is not rising. But, you know, Micheál Martin and the government are adamant they can't keep chasing inflation. There isn't an there isn't a money tree at the bottom of the garden in Leinster House. They will say that they can just keep plucking money from it and hand it out and just keep chasing inflation. They can't do that. But it is going to be, as Tara Cassidy from Pankers.ie says, it is going to get worse. And certainly if people have to wait until October for any kind of help to come in, the next few months are going to be very, very difficult indeed. 0818 103 103. Your thoughts on something completely different on a GAA theme. Mick is interested in the thoughts of some of our listeners. He said he opened the newspaper this morning to read the headlines that the Cork County Board want Kingston to stay on for another year. According to the piece in the paper, the players want him to stay as uh, well. Mick is questioning, did he see nothing wrong with the way Cork played last Saturday. Mick, very, very annoyed today on reading this article. He said, I've supported 
the Cork County Board for years through their draws, but not anymore. Mick is very disillusioned uh, with the Cork players this uh, year uh, and in particular with uh, Kingston. And he's wondering, do other listeners agree or disagree? You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And on breaking news, the first of the, was the top line figure from the census that we all took part in uh, earlier this year. Ireland's population is now the highest since the famine with 5.12 million people now living in this country as per the census of 2022. But you know what that means? The fact that our population has gone up, it means there will be a big increase in the number of TDs at the next election. At this stage, they're looking at at least 171 TDs, but that could even be uh, higher. And the reason for that is because of our constitution states that there has to be one TD for every 30,000 people. So there is going to be an increase in uh, TDs at the next uh, election. Don't know how that's going to go down with people, but our population continues to rise. We are at now 5.12 million uh, people. That's just the very latest coming from the census. Now, some of your thoughts coming in when we're talking about increases in uh, in everything has uh, gone up. Somebody's asking the question, Where's all the money being paid to? If everything's going up, like the milk going up today, I take it farmers aren't getting anything extra out of that. Who's making all the money? Well, I suppose some will say it's to do with the cost of fuel, isn't it? Because everything gets delivered. And that's one of the reasons that our food, the cost of everything in the supermarkets is going up is because of delivery uh, prices. Anyway, this listener says, we've just come out of almost three years of COVID-19, the worst three years most people have ever ever experienced in a lifetime and now we're being hit on all sides are those in charge so distant from the rest of us we've high bills high shopping when are we ever going to get a break and somebody else when I mentioned when I was talking about a Minister for Consumer Affairs Mossy in West Cork uh, agreeing with Dara from bankers.ie that you are correct in asking for a Minister for Consumer Consumer Affairs, but why are not our local county councillors, our senators, our TDs, why are they all not kicking up about inflation crisis and consumer affairs? Mossy in West Cork feels they have been very quiet on this at the moment. Hi Patricia, this is on tips on shopping and how to save money yourself. Sheila says, I stopped doing that big weekly shop and I now do what my mother used to do back in the 1950s and in the 1960s. I pop to the shop as and when I need stuff. If I happen to be in town, I'll go into the larger supermarkets, but only get what's on my list and I'm not tempted by things I simply don't need. But mostly, I do all of my shopping in the small local shops. Now, you might think that their prices are higher, but if you only get what you need for a couple of days at a time, then there's not a lot of difference, really. And if you take into account all the food we waste after a big shop, it can actually work out much cheaper. And if you grow your own fruit and veg, and maybe have a few little hens 
like my old dad used to have the new quids in says uh, Sheila. Yeah, I think more people are going to start taking on uh, hens. But growing fruit and veg is certainly a good one. Now, here's one. This is a kind of an upsetting one, really, from a listener saying, Patricia, what I have to say will probably shock you, but it certainly will upset people. This listener said, I've certainly been upset about it for the last few days. I was at my local bus bus stop and I got chatting to an elderly gentleman who was also standing at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come. He was saying... He said to cut down on his food so that he'll have money available for his other utility bills. And at the end of our conversation, he said, thank God I'm going out of this world and not coming into it. My God, what a changed country where we are doing this to our elderly people. So I hope politicians are listening to you reading out my text and when they put their head on the pillow tonight, I hope that that elderly man will come to mind. He's been on my mind for the last uh, few days. I'm so annoyed and so upset. Isn't that so sad to hear of an elderly man almost wishing his life away? But also shocking to hear that an elderly man would be cutting down on the food that he's eating because he comes from the generation that would always make sure that they had the money to pay for the electricity and I don't know if he's got gas or if he's oil or he's got to buy his coal for his bit of heat they would never run up bills they would always make sure the bit was put away every week so that when the bill came in the money would be there but it's it is truly truly upsetting to think of any elderly man cutting back on food and obviously by cutting back on food there's probably nights where that elderly man goes to bed uh, hungry and he's the exact profile of somebody who should be reaching out to the likes of St Vincent de Paul. St Vincent de Paul would in a heartbeat drop off a food hamper to a person like that but a lot in that generation find it very hard to reach out and say I need help instead they will go short. That It, it is utterly utterly heartbreaking. Thank you for your text to oh, to oh eight six two one oh three one oh three, And then John in Carrigaline wants to highlight the independent Dáil deputy Carol Nolan and her views in the Dáil yesterday. And this was to do with putting a cap on immigrants. Before I get to John's comments, let me just, for, in case... Um, not everybody may have heard about this. It's, it's She's an independent TD for Leash uh, Offaly. And she actually clashed yesterday in the Dáil with the housing minister. And this was to do with the issue of accommodation for refugees who are fleeing the war in Ukraine. Carol Nolan asked of Dara O'Brien if the government planned to conduct an assessment on the state's capacity to deliver housing to its own citizens in light of the enormous rise in inward immigration as she was talking about people who were coming from the Ukraine but she was also talking about people coming here claiming uh, asylum. Now Dara O'Brien then asked Carol Nolan was she effectively calling for a cap on the number of refugees and described her comments as a threat to social cohesion. Now back in March Carol Nolan called on the Taoiseach to clarify if the government had conducted any kind of an assessment on the impact on disability respite services. Now anyone who's got uh, who lives with somebody with a disability will know respite services are so, so thin on the ground non-existent in many areas. So Carol Nolan raised that issue back in uh, March because there was a commitment made to provide disability specific 
accommodation to citizens fleeing from war-torn Ukraine. And she was wondering what effect would that have on respite services for people if the accommodation was going to be given to disabled people coming from the Ukraine. Anyway, she was talking yesterday and she was saying, look, the numbers coming from Ukraine into Ireland are, are still reaching about 1,500 every month. And she said that she is conscious that it is a difficult and sensitive issue. But she says we must thread carefully here if we're to avoid blame being targeted at those who least deserve it. But she said she's absolutely convinced that if we do not learn to find some way of exploring, she says, in a grown-up, pragmatic and constructive way, the links between unsustainable levels of inward migration and asylum into this country. Then she says the housing situation, we're never going to find a meaningful solution to it. You know, and she went on to talk about, you know, we already have an overwhelming crisis when it comes to housing in this country. Dara O'Brien says the government has been very clear in its response to our friends from the Ukraine that we will take in as many Ukrainian citizens fleeing a brutal war vested on them through no fault of their own. He says we will not bring forward any caps in this regard and he said that the government's housing response for the Ukrainians is in addition to the housing for all and he says please do not blur the lines because he said there's no blurring of the lines here. But anyway there was seemed to be a bit of a spat went on between the housing minister and this independent adult deputy Carol uh, Nolan because you know she, she spoke about things like the government policies are utterly meaningless if too many people flee into this country that there just simply isn't going to be homes for everyone and citizens and non-citizens. Uh, so there was a bit of a spat. So that's what John in Carry the Line is bringing up this morning. He says, well done to Independent Doll Deputy Carol Nolan. He also agrees that the government needs to put a cap on immigrants and refugees. And he makes the point, what's the use welcoming people into this country and then throwing them on hotel floors? It's not good enough. The taxpayer is being robbed. We have a housing crisis. Ireland is full. We appear to be a soft touch for foreign people. Charity starts at uh, home. We need to look after our own uh, first. And there is, you know, and there is a huge difference between people fleeing a war situation. I mean, they're fleeing uh, for their lives. And then you've got other asylum seekers who are now coming into this country from other countries, uh, not just Ukraine. And I think because of what the English government have done with this threat to send any asylum seekers to send them to Rwanda, even though I don't think a plane has left the UK yet to Rwanda because that's causing uh, so much dispute in England. Boris Johnson's decision to send asylum seekers to to Rwanda uh, to be processed instead. But because of that, word is getting out that England is not the country to go to now for asylum, even though that's where people want to end up. So there is the danger that they'll come in through Ireland in the hope then that they'll get to uh, England. And that obviously is going to increase people are coming to this country uh, seeking uh, asylum seekers but of course the Ukrainian refugees are completely different to asylum seekers they're war refugees and we do know as with war refugees right throughout history they will one day go home and that's where they want uh, to be but there's this whole discussion the government are adamant there will never be a cap put on the number of refugees coming into this country particularly those from Ukraine But, you know, where does it end? We have a housing crisis. And, you know, 
everybody there's just such an outpouring towards the Ukrainians but there is a danger that the longer the war goes on and if more and more people decide to flee and more and more people will decide to flee if the war gets worse and listening to what's coming from the Russians there's there's no doesn't seem to be any end in sight to this war and the pressure that's going to put on the rest it's not just Ireland though it's going to put pressure on the rest of Europe as well there is simp- there is no simple solution to this but is is putting a cap on it and how do, how do you put the cap what you know what what do you set the number at and then you just close the door and if somebody turns up you say no sorry there's no room at the inn you know bearing in mind that these people are fleeing for their lives 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs an mechanic is wanted for cars and light commercials that's in the Fomoy area 025 335 teleporter required for the Douglas area CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com a rigid truck driver with a C-class license is wanted for Mallow CVs to douglas at acravat.ie and home care worker is required for the Alzheimer's Society to work in the North Cork area Please send a CV to recruit at alzheimer.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. According to figures released by the HSE, the number of people aged over 65 referred to the HSE's National Safeguarding Office for Psychological and Financial abuse rose last year with half of the perpetrators coming from within their own family. Discuss the figures I'm joined by Patricia Rickard Clark who is Chair of Safeguarding Ireland. Good morning to you Patricia. Good morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Do you believe the pandemic led to an increase in abuse of vulnerable elderly people? Yes but financial abuse of older people has been there for a long time and we haven't really uh, seen it or identified it as an issue, particularly within families. So I suppose the National Safeguarding Office, the HSE National Safeguarding Office, have been collecting figures since about 2014. First of all, older people, and now the figures of older people and people with disabilities. But again, it's only the tip of the iceberg. So the figures we're seeing um, are uh, figures that are increasing each year because people are becoming more aware uh, of issues arising and are reporting it. And you have, you know, uh, independent advocacy organisations to identifying issues. But coming back to your main question about was there an increase during, uh, as a result of the pandemic? Absolutely, yes. Safeguarding Ireland did a survey during the just uh, 2020, end of 2020-2021. And as you know, uh, when we had our lockdown, a number of older people were encouraged to appoint another person to collect their pension yeah. or do whatever their shopping. Or because whatever. they were cocooning and told because to stay indoors. Yeah, couldn't stay indoors. And our survey indicated that of those people, and some of them, there was no capacity issue at all. It was just they handed over control. Uh, certainly our survey indicated that one third of those people did not take back control. So, oh. and and that is also, of course, the person who uh, has been given the authority 
has actually just taken control and doesn't account. And certainly during the pandemic, we came across issues where, say, shopping was done or the pension collected and not all the money accounted for. Uh, but even we passed the pandemic now, and this is the first year that the HSE have added the issue of psychological abuse and financial abuse together. Uh, and this is really important because, again, another survey that served that Safeguarding Ireland did indicated that the level of psychological abuse and coercive control, particularly of the older old, is quite high. So we just, and also, I'm aware, for example, stage advocacy. Most of their clients would be over the age of 70, 75. And the two main issues are financial issues and the whole question of psychological course of control and where a person should reside. So the figures are not surprising. And again, I would say the figures, in fact, uh, would be much greater. Yeah, because these are the reported uh, cases. So they're not capturing the full extent of, of hidden abuse. Indeed. And of course, in family situations, uh, the abuser is living with the person uh, who the abuse is perpetrated on, and they're not going to complain about themselves. And in many cases, people don't see that. But we all must become very alert that it does happen. And even within families, you do have you know, challenges and uh, disputes about taking control of mum's or dad's money or aunt or uncle and decisions made. Another uh, interesting survey that we did was we asked the question in relation to the Irish public uh, did people think where a person was older, frail, that a person could make decisions on their behalf and 57% of the Irish population said yes, they could make a decision on behalf of an older person even if that person had capacity to make the decision themselves. So we have to really realise that the right of that individual old person must be respected. And we're having now, hopefully shortly, although it has been delayed, the commencement of the Assisted Decision-Making Capacity Act. That act actually uh, has in place or has provisions where there are different levels where we can appoint a trusted person. So really important that people, and it's not only for old people, you know, a young person could have an accident tomorrow and not have the capacity. So really important that we plan ahead Mm. and we think of who is that trusted person. Not the person, may not be the person that we're dependent on or we're living with. It may be some other person. Uh, We don't have to appoint a family member. In many cases, of course, we will because they are our trusted person. Uh, But really important as a society that we encourage people to make their enjoying powers of attorney, uh, their advanced health care directives, but particularly for financial abuse, their EPA. And when the new act is commenced, that they can appoint a person to assist them with decision-making assistance or a co-decision maker. So, and again, organisations must recognise who is that trusted third party. Not anybody that comes or accompanies a person into a bank and says, I'm helping this person. Is that person really that trusted third party? So really important issues for society. And I always think and and often say when I'm doing interviews like this, uh, Patricia, we're all going to get old one day and none of us would like to think that somebody is going to use coercive control against us or or this attitude that just because you're older, oh, you you must be too frail to look after your own finances. I'll take that over for you. Indeed, indeed. And that's where the abuse happens. And people, particularly older people, don't realise they're being abused. 
So, you know, if somebody's appointed to collect the pension and they're keeping half of it because they've spent petrol money or something, uh, that's really not good enough. And older people, again, themselves have an obligation to put in place arrangements uh, that are proper arrangements and give proper legal authority to that trusted person. Yeah. yeah. Do we need an independent national safeguarding authority? Absolutely. Uh, As you know, Safeguarding Ireland recently produced a discussion paper and we've highlighted a number of issues. Uh, But at the end of the day, we need an independent... Sorry, first of all, we need adult safeguarding legislation. Uh, Really important. But uh, what Safeguarding Ireland are saying, we need a legal framework which will include an independent national adult safeguarding authority that would actually uh, set standards, public awareness for both uh, the ordinary public but also professionals to understand these issues uh, and also then the whole question of the independence when abuse happens, uh, who investigates it, what, what uh, are the reporting arrangements. Again, we've no uh, legal framework of when we report. We have a child safeguarding legislation and we've managed to report it in certain circumstances. We have no adult safeguarding legislation. So again, another survey that Safeguarding Ireland did indicated that about 42% of people did not know who to report mm. to in relation to an adult. Yeah, I, and I can see texts coming in from people saying, who would you report it to and who is doing the reporting? Yeah, well, at the moment there are HSC safeguarding and protection teams, but they're in the healthcare area. So our argument is safeguarding Ireland, we need that independent body which is interdisciplinary across all organisations. And so, in other words, you're not going to point, really, you, you may report financial abuse to a HSE safeguarding team, but they are not financial experts, uh, you know, around financial abuse. So we need uh, an overarching authority to deal with all of those issues. Yeah, and and we also need greater professional and public awareness on um, supporting decision-making because that would empower the older person. Absolutely. So a lot of training is going on at the moment uh, in, in relation to that, but we need to see more uh, because uh, it is really important that professionals, when like when you go into, for example, if you go into any healthcare section or whatever, um, Sometimes there's a presumption if you're older, frail or grey hair or in a wheelchair that you can't make a decision. I know, and, I know. You know uh, so it's really important that there is a huge recognition of the right of an individual and that that individual is very much supported and assisted to make their own decisions insofar as it's possible. OK, all right. Listen, I appreciate you taking time out. I know you're in between meetings, so I'll let you go, Patricia. Listen, thank you all for right. that and thanks for joining us. All right, thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is Patricia Rickard Clark, who is chair of Safeguarding uh, Ireland. Rose says that stress on uh, carers can sometimes lead to this kind of action that it isn't always elder abuse but if a carer gets very very stressed out and there's no backup and no support which certainly we saw a lot of during uh, COVID with home care packages and we're still having an issue with that with getting adequate home care packages if somebody gets under a lot of stress it could end up with psychological abuse and it's not that the carer means uh, to do it but they're just completely stressed out and uh, John says there is elder abuse going on but there's also a number of older people people who take advantage of younger people. For example, 
just because they're older, they get younger people to do jobs. They ask them to give them spins. There's never any thanks for their time or the cost of running a car. Uh, they some some older people, not all older people, some older people think that young people's time is worthless when it is not. Not it's always nice to say thank you, John. I think that's what your message is, regardless of what age you are, young, middle-aged, or old. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to. 0862103103 and a reminder of course today is Thursday so Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us later on so if you have a pet question there is time for you still to get your pet questions in to us John Paul's taking the calls or you can text in pet questions as well let me just go and look at some of your WhatsApps coming in there was an interesting one on the cost of building and tradespeople. I have so many coming in this morning. This is from Christy. Thank you, Christy, for this. Christy says, morning, Patricia, as you were aware, we are experiencing enormous unsustainable cost hikes in all aspects of our lives in relation to housing and construction, which is something that, Christy, I have good knowledge of. I contend there is enormous price gorging going on by some tradespeople in this area. Now, I acknowledge this, Christy, that the cost of building materials has escalated enormously, but prices being charged for construction work undertaken is unjustified, in my opinion. Based on Christy's own experience, he said tradespeople appear to be camouflaging this unjustified, enormous rip-off labour costs by not by, by them not being willing to work on the basis of labour only where the customer would supply the required materials. They're using then materials as a means and an excuse to rip off people for work being undertaken. They by and large, they're not prepared to take on work without them also supplying the required materials. In other words, they're also putting a hike on materials themselves and then they can justify the price that they charge at the end of the day. They are now acting like what the hospitality sector are accused of doing. I feel they're milking the situation. It is totally immoral approach by them, in my opinion. Now, again, you can't say all tradespeople, Christy, are doing that. And of course, the thing is, if you're not happy with a quote that you get from a tradesperson, person look for another now I know straight away people will come back and say Patricia have you tried to get a tradesperson lately because they're all working flat out so sometimes then what happens is you'll only be able to get a quote from one and even if it does feel a little bit too expensive if you have a job that has to be done there are people that are just going with the first quote that they get can that be leading to price gorging according to Christy it can and it does 0818 103 103 Court today on C103 With John Cusack Insurance's Sale, Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk CMIG.ie Band and the station where I'm joined by Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan for this week's Agar the File Good morning to Morgan Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome We start with a theft This is to do with trailers and industrial equipment in Dunamore That's correct Patricia Um uh, the Gardaí McCroom and Stuke are investigating an incident uh, which involved the theft of a number of items, like you said, which took place um, in the Grand area of Dunamore between 8pm uh, on the night of Friday, the 10th of June, and 8am on Saturday morning, the 11th following day. Now, during the course of this incident, um, there was two Iper Williams trailers, a generator and a power washer were stolen. Um, now these four items together have a considerable value, so the victim in this case is a, a significant loss. Um, and these four items would be described as 
was an Ivor Williams horse box, which is black in colour, um, at a point of note. In this one, the trailer was stolen. It had two flat tyres. There's also an Ivor Williams plant trailer with a mesh size and a ramp in the back, which we used to drive small machinery up into it to carry it. Um, also, there was a steppel generator with a red Honda engine and also a petrol power washer with a re- also had a red Honda engine. And I suppose as the description of these uh, items would indicate, it would be difficult to transport them. So um, if anyone was moving them, there's a chance they might have been seen in the area. So I suppose if any of your listeners did observe any activity on the night of the 10th of June, which was last Friday week, into the following morning, Saturday 11th of June, in the Grand Dunamore area, or indeed the general Dunamore area, um, we would ask them to give the Guardian crew a call. Yeah, and that the fact it was taken overnight, it would stand out, wouldn't it, moving items like that during the night? It would, and there's, like, there's two trailers which would have to be transported away from the scene. Yeah. Um, and there was, these items could possibly be offered for resale. And again, if any of your listeners have any information in relation to the sale of any such items, we would appreciate a call. Okay, okay. Just be very careful about knockdown. It could be an offer at a knockdown price of anything. Absolutely. Uh, you should get suspicious. Now, you've got a report of some bicycles being stolen. That's true, Patricia. Yeah, we have two, um, one in Clannacilty, one in Bantry. Um, so the Gardaí in Bantry are investigating the theft of a mountain bike from the Newtown area. And this took place last Friday, the 17th of June, between Friday, the 17th and Saturday, the 18th. Um, now the make of this bike is a joint, uh, orange in colour, and the make of a joint is written on the body of the bike. Um, so again, if any of your listeners would know if anything, anyone with a, a bike fitting uh, that description, um, or transporting the Newtown area, Bantry, or the surrounding area, maybe in the days after that, or again, if this item was you see for a resale, uh, the Bantry Gardaí would appreciate a call. And was uh, the one in Clannacilty as well? Yeah, the one in Clannacilty was a similar uh, theft. Um, uh, again, a mountain bike, uh, which occurred in between Thursday night, the 2nd of June, um, and 11am on Friday the 3rd. Um, now, this theft of this bike took place in the Parkview area of Clannacilty, and this bike is described as a grey rock rider mountain bike, and has orange markings on it, and has a black lock wrapped around the, the crossbar as well. Like in the previous case, uh, we would like to reunite the owner of this bike with their property. Mm. And if anyone has information in this bike, uh, the Guardian and Clannacilty are investigating. Yeah, I know when I started this Garda file, you know, over 30 years ago now, it was almost on a weekly basis we'd be calling out bicycles uh, stolen. But it, it, you don't hear as many bicycles being stolen today, do you not? No, you wouldn't. Um, um, it's have two in the same Garda file, yeah. as usual. Um, I suppose of late it was things like quad bikes and maybe kayaks and things that yeah, yeah. featured more in our, our programmes so okay make sure you have a good decent lock if you are leaving the bicycle anyway. absolutely yeah okay it's uh, summer season obviously and and people out and about on boats you want to do a little piece on boat security um, yes Patricia like you say it is the time, time of year and I, I just remember this time last year unfortunately we had people who had you know kayaks or maybe boat engines taken so I suppose as people are taking um, any equipment or uh, boats out um, heading for water on the seaside, which people will be doing at this time of year, we would just ask people to be mindful of the security of their equipment. Um, and I suppose the boats and boat equipment um, are at a greater risk of being stolen because look, they are easily movable if people have the transportation to move them. And we would just encourage people you know, to use um, a quality padlock on the exterior of their boat doors and hatches you know, to protect their equipment inside, 
to use a high quality hitch lock on the boat trailer and again you know using a high quality chain and lock to secure the trailer to a fixed object um just again just creating barriers for any would-be criminal that might um you know see your property and be think you've taken it and i suppose in relation to storage you know i suppose if possible to store your boat in a locked garage or a secure boat storage facility you know and if your boat is kept in the water to use a marina which is good lighting you know and a marina is difficult for unauthorized people to access um and we would all you know say to take the outboard engine away and store it in a safe place if we're not in use you know, if something isn't being used store it yourself somewhere safely um and we just you know i suppose when you are storing um your boat and when you have it out in public i suppose remove all equipment from your boat you know and keep it locked and out of sight and if it doesn't need to be there remove it um you know and again make sure your boat is checked regularly you know if the boat is left for long periods somewhere and ensure someone is checking it if you're not in a position to check it yourself um, and again, we would encourage people to secure their outboard uh, motors to immovable objects if they are storing it around the marina and again, a high quality chain. And I suppose lastly, if you are storing your boat um, at home, you know, I suppose look, where possible, reverse your boat with an outboard engine close to a wall or building to make it more difficult, you know, to lift the engine off so someone tries to remove it. Again, keep the boat and trailer out of sight if possible at the road and the engine out of public view. Um, and again, if, if you have to park it somewhere beside, which people do, you have to just use what you have. You know, park another vehicle, maybe you're a large object in front of the trailer, so it, it would obstruct the removal. Um, yeah, all of those of, tips are to make it as difficult as possible for the would-be thief. Absolutely, because yeah. this time here, um, within to get dusted, it is a time that people would be looking for, unfortunately, um, people who would be of that mindset are looking for engines and boats and or hitch up a trailer and take it. And even in one of the previous cases we mentioned this program where the trailers are removed, albeit they were horse trailers, um, boat trailers are similarly yeah. very, um, at risk. Yeah, and sometimes it can be opportunistic. They'll just pass, see something and think, oh, I'll have that. So just make it as difficult as possible. Now, fraud, there isn't a week goes by that we don't talk about incidents of fraud. They are continuing to occur, Morgan. Yes, unfortunately, they are continuing. And look, and I know it's probably on a weekly basis we're giving you, and I know yourself, you highlight it uh, very often in your programme. Um, and just, I know that so Gareth Francis Murphy spoke to you two weeks ago from Bandon here, and just on checking um, our own figures, that since then there's been 31 reported incidents in the Cork West Division, and in Pudding County Cork there's been over 70 in that two-week period. And in some cases, <clears throat> people recognise that an attempt to fraud is taking place, and they suffer no financial loss. But unfortunately, in other cases, people suffer considerable loss, um, you know, maybe of hundreds of euros, in some cases of thousands of euros, which we've had in West Cork in the past two weeks. Um, I suppose it's just a reminder to your listeners to keep their guard up in relation to fraud and scams, you know, and not to click on links or download apps that are sent to you by message or email on your phone or computer. Um, and a scam that has been very common again at the moment, and one which really surfaced during the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, is where someone receives a message purporting to be from a reputable delivery company, or indeed on post, looking for a payment uh, for a shortfall and a delivery fee. Um, uh, and so as we know a lot of people carry out online transactions now so a lot of people are receiving deliveries in their house and in these measures they're receiving they're, it's usually a very small amount they're asked to pay maybe 190 250 some of the cases we've seen but when people click on the link to pay this fee 
they are actually in some cases giving their giving access to their accounts unwittingly to fraud yeah. to fraudsters yeah. and unknowingly doing this. Um, so I suppose we would just encourage people that um, not to respond to unsolicited messages, um, and you know, and never click the links and unpost have themselves given um, advice that they don't look for payment. They um, will never send a text message looking for payment. Never send a, um, yeah. for a short on payment. And unfortunately, that we have seen that one occurring now in the last two weeks where people have fallen victim to it because the message lands on their phone, just coincides with them waiting on a delivery, and they think it's genuine. And, and because it's such a small amount of money, you think, <coughs> oh, I have to pay that, and, and people pay it. Absolutely. All right, yeah. so please uh, be be very careful. And just uh, finally, uh, Morgan, you have some members of Angard this year corner retiring. We have, we have, and my colleagues here in Bandon um, have just asked me to uh, wish Superintendent Brendan Fogarty um, all the best because he's retiring um, this month after 40 years of service. Wow. And I suppose nearly all that service has been in West Cork um, and he's been very active in the community uh, and in particular, I suppose, the Bandon area um, over that time. And also my colleagues in Bantry have gone to me to ask uh, you to wish um, Garda Patterhealy, who has been attached to the Glengarra Station and the Bantry District for over 30 years, um, and again, Pat would be known throughout West Cork as well as in Garda community and sporting circles as he was a selector and coach of the last Cork team that won the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. So I suppose we just wonder which both um, have been a, a long and healthy retirement and thank them for their service to Garda and Absolutely. Well said, well said. Listen, and thank you, Morgan, uh, for your Garda file this week and we'll speak again no in the coming weeks. Thanks thank for that. Sure. Good, good morning. That is Sergeant uh, Morgan O'Sullivan based on abandoned Garda station. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, last night, Davis, who was contacted us by WhatsApp, went along to see the Pet Shop Boys live in the Marquee. And he said, what a fabulous gig it was. He said it was unbelievable. The only downside and what he's kicking himself about this morning was he lost his ticket stub on the way back to the car. And he's wondering if anybody might have one to spare or, or would Ticketmaster reprint one? I don't know if Ticketmaster would reprint, reprint one for you, uh, David. You'd have to contact them. I don't know if they would be able to do that for you. But let's see if anybody else went to the Pet Shop Boys last night and you still have the ticket stub and you're not somebody who collects them David wants it as a memento but he collects you know there are some people who collect all of their ticket stubs to remind them of the various concerts that they have been to so anyone who went to the Pet Shop Boys last night if you have a ticket stub that you're about to put in the bin could you just pop it in an envelope maybe send it in to us here at the radio station and then we can send it on to uh, David that would be fantastic if anybody can help us out with that but good to know that you enjoyed the Pet Shop Boys uh, last night I'm actually going to Live in the Marquee tonight to see Dara O'Brien funny man Dara O'Brien I always enjoy watching him on TV I've seen him live I think twice I think both of them actually were uh, funny enough at the marquee so I'm really looking forward to that OK just a couple of other WhatsApps coming in let me clear this uh, Christy Moore uh, competition now this is Jim reacting to the piece by Christy who felt that some because I'm, I'm very slow to say all tradespeople because they're very honourable tradespeople out there but some are using the current financial crisis and the current with inflation rising that they're using it to price gorge and he said in particular it's very hard to get a tradesperson who will allow you to supply your own materials instead 
they'll insist on supplying the materials and because we know building materials have gone up he feels that some tradespeople are using that as an excuse to up their prices well Jim said he recently did a bit of block work for his cousin up in Dublin and his cousin was showing him a boundary wall now he said it was about 80 foot long in front of his friend's house he'd got in some local tradespeople to build the wall capped and plastered it and supply the labour. Jim says he paid eight thousand the neighbour paid eight thousand euro for the wall. I'd said to my cousin, Why didn't you contact me? I'd have done it for a half, even a third of the price, says uh, Jim. So Jim is obviously agreeing there is some price gorging going on. And then a different Jim has contacted us, kind of a word of a warning to people to say hi. I've had a cough with at least a month. And when I'm doing anything out in the garden, I was beginning to feel really, really tired. But the cough was what was worrying me as it was getting worse. So I spoke to my doctor and he told me you need to go and have a COVID test. So guess what? I did. I tested and I tested positive. Now I feel okay, just extremely tired and I still have this cough. So I'm now on antibiotics second day of the antibiotics and I'm stuck indoors for seven days isolating so my advice to anyone do the antigen test it only cost me four euro for the uh, test but you're better off checking if you have any kind of a cough there's a lot of coughs and colds doing the rounds Jim but that excessive tiredness very much goes with uh, COVID hopefully you will recover soon and you'll be back fighting uh, fish thank you for your text but yet there is still a lot of COVID out and about and the the variant that's at the moment I was reading only before I came on air today 10 to 15 percent more contagious than the last variant which was had been more contagious than the previous variant which has been more contagious than the previous variant so with each variant it is getting more contagious the only thing is once you're vaccinated won't stop you getting COVID but it certainly is stopping people getting very unwell and God forbid dying from it so get well soon uh, Jim Hi Patricia I was listening to your show and the government's plan to figure out vacant houses by looking at the ESB usage any thought of the people who have solar panels on their roofs which means they use less electricity from the grid which by the way is being promoted daily to save on household bills and that's coming in from a Skibbereen listener yeah, there's, there's going to have to be so much taken in to account if they do decide to go down that route of looking at ESB at usage. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Christy Moore live at the Marquee on Saturday night. Would you like to go? Take a listen to this. Finbar, Charlie and Jim Hand and they're drinking pints to bed the band. Ah, that is my favourite, favourite Christy Moore song. I think John Paul's deliberately picked kind of a hard bit out of it. But if you sing it in your head, you'll get to exactly what that song is called. Give me the name of the song, please, along with your name and address. Text and WhatsApp only 086 103. If you can name this well-known Christy Moore tune. Finbar, Charlie and Jim Hand and they're drinking pints to bed the band. And of course, uh, the winner today gets a pair of tickets to, tickets to go along and see Christy Moore live at the marquee. It's next Saturday night. Tickets are still available at ticketmaster.ie. So get texting and WhatsApping. No calls, please. It's only been done by text and a WhatsApp. Now, the news just broke there before news at 12 about that the census results were out and I can't wait to spend time this weekend I'm, I'm a figures person and I love digesting all of the information that comes out from the census but the population on Mun- in Munster has uh, grown uh, Waterford the fastest growing county they expanded by 9% 
followed by us here in Cork and Clare. We have grown population-wise by 7%. But uh, overall, the population for the Republic of Ireland went up by 7.6% in the six years since the last census. Our last census was 2016, so the comparison has been made between 2016 and uh, 2022. Now, normally there's a census every five years, but obviously due to COVID, uh, they couldn't do one last year. So it's, it's, there's a six-year gap between this uh, census. We now have the highest population recorded since 1840. One, and we have exceeded five. First time exceeding five million since eighteen fifty one. All counties in Ireland showed population growth, and that's different. That didn't happen the last time in twenty sixteen. There were some counties had a population decrease, but every single county in Ireland saw a population growth. Longford saw the biggest percentage increase. They went up by fourteen point one percent, with Meath going up by twelve point nine percent. On the breakdown of females versus, there's more females than males. Uh, in this uh, census. What else am I looking at? The population increased by 361,671. It was made up of natural increases, which is obviously births minuses, minus deaths. But there also was a net inward migration and that we went up by 171,000 people coming into this country versus going out of uh, this uh, country. So we'll have to wait and see. We do know there will be an increase in TDs, but we'll have to go through the, break, the breakdown because it's there has to be one TD for every 30,000 people. So the fact that we've gone up by 7% here in Cork, city and county, doesn't mean we'll see an increase in TDs in Cork. It could do, but we're going to have to wait and see. And also, the census have released the preliminary results on the housing stock. And that's interesting because I kicked off the programme by talking about the housing stock and how the government would look at the census figures and they're looking at the local property tax figures. And now they're coming out saying they're also going to look at electricity usage to try to work out how many houses are uh, vacant. And the there were 16,560 fewer vacant dwellings in 2022 compared to the census in 2016. Now, they, that does not include holiday homes. They're counted differently. Holiday homes increased in the last six years. We now have 66,132 holiday homes. A dwelling being classed as vacant for census purpose does not necessarily imply that it is available for reuse. They say a dwelling is classed as vacant by census enumerator if it's unoccupied for a short or a long period around census night, for example. It may be unoccupied because it's up for sale, because it's up for rent, because it's under renovation. The owner may have just passed away or the owner could be in a nursing home. So for all of those reasons, it's classed as vacant, but it doesn't mean that it's available for reuse. Dwellings under construction and derelict properties not included in the census count of vacant uh, dwellings, but it has gone up by there are fewer vacant dwellings by 16,560 which has got to be good news it means a lot of those vacant dwellings have either been rented out been done up or whatever and people are living in them the total number of 
in the housing stock is over it's over 2.1 million which is up 6% on 2016 so 6% more houses were built in the 6 years not enough houses I hear people say for sure 0818 103 103 Liam Imbroff says the population growth in Ireland leading to more TDs in the Dáil do we not have enough TDs in the Dáil at the moment says Lehman Brough we have enough to run America there are so many between TDs and senators you could run this country on the back of a fag box <laughs> there's too much red tape in the system too much layers of bureaucracy layers upon layers of bureaucracy but Liam remember it isn't the TDs themselves that are deciding how many TDs uh, TDs and senators should be in the houses of the rock this it is in our constitution so the only way that that can change would be we'd have to change the constitution and at, at a time when if the population decreased and that has happened in the past that would mean there would be less TDs in some areas it's just that our population has grown so much in the last six years it does mean we're going to have extra TDs haven't got the exact number on how many extra TDs we'll have at the next general election or if any of them are going to be here in Cork or not only time will tell on that one but thank you for your thoughts to the programme this morning uh, Liam Michael all so this is um, the way people are doing their shopping and how the cost of everything in the shops are going up. And Mary gave us an example today of how much milk has gone up by and just in three days it's gone up a further 21 cent. Michael says people won't be throwing away food anymore. Before there was a lot of food discarded in this uh, country. You'll be fine. People will be using up the foods that they need and there will be very little going into the bin. And that was one of our listeners I thought gave a very good tip on that only has given up on the big food shop and just buys every couple of days and just buys what they need but I when I was talking about this yesterday I was saying I've certainly noticed if you look at people out doing the shopping there are so many more people now going out with the shopping list so you're assuming people sit down before they go out decide you know what are we going to have for dinner Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday what are we going to need for it what's in the food cupboard what's in the fridge what's in the freezer and that certainly was something I remember growing up my mother used to do her big shop on a Friday and every Thursday evening out came the little note pad and she would and you'd be in and out checking what was in the food cupboard do I have this do I have that how many of those do I have and she'd make her shopping list that way and would only buy what was on the shopping list so it's 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 funny in a way we're going back aren't we to what our parents and our grandparents did but I've certainly I don't know whether it's just where I'm shopping I've noticed a lot more people seem to have shopping lists and it's certainly by having shopping lists it certainly is a way that you cut down on weight you cut down on buying stuff and then how often have we done that in the past where you buy something and then you get home to discover oh I actually didn't need that now if it's a non-perishable food item it's fine it'll stay in the cupboard but it's a perishable food item it will end up going into the bin so you certainly can save on what on wasting food by sticking to a shopping list and Mick on the north side of the city said with demands for homes and as the country continues to take in both war refugees and asylum seekers Mick says we've an old prison in Cork not been used surely that could be refurbished and refugees could be could use that building they'd be able to cook and there's showers and toilets and whatever in there would that not help to solve some of the issues particularly with some of the issues that we have with regard to the housing of Ukrainian refugees 0818103103 okay you can stop texting us on this Finbar, Charlie and Jim Hand and they're drinking pints to bathe the band 
that of course was the wonderful Listoon Varna is the name of the song and we had everybody I think getting it uh, right uh, we did okay well the majority I'm just seeing a couple of wrong ones in the middle of it but the majority of people got it right okay John Paul has done the selection of the winner and our winner today is Andrew Dorgan in Middleton congratulations to you Andrew you're going to live at the Marquee to see the wonderful Christy Moore in concert and I hope you are a Christy Moore fan because if you are you will really really enjoy it live at the Marquee Christy Moore next Saturday night 25th of June tickets available at ticketmaster.ie and your chance to win our final pair of the week tomorrow on the programme. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lotto draw this afternoon at four. It's in the community office, jackpot €4,000. The Strive Group, that's at IRG Do Hollow, are inviting people to a coffee morning in aid of the Irish community Air Ambulance. It's tomorrow morning from 10am to 12 noon and it's in the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket. A fundraiser for the Make Dunmanway an Autism Friendly Town initiative will be held this Saturday night with a darts display by five times World Darts Champion Raymond Barney Van Barneveld. A great night is short, lots of prizes and music and tickets available through ticketstop.ie. Ballinhasset Community Development Association are holding a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall tomorrow night, dancing half nine to half twelve. Admission ten euro, including teas. And Muskery Platform are holding their first dance of the season on the original platform on the slopes of Mushra Mountain tomorrow night, which of course is St John's night. Music is by Jerome Coakley and Lee Sound. 8.30 to 10.30, no cover charge, all are welcome. And Bally Hay Community will launch a monster raffle this weekend, a Charleville show, in an effort to raise funds to build a new preschool. Great prizes in the raffle, including a Hyundai One i20, holiday vouchers and cash. Check out their Facebook page, Bally Hay Preschool, new build for more. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Let me take a look at some of your comments coming into the programme earlier. Somebody said they were shocked to read in the paper that Kieran Kingston, the Cork senior hurling uh, manager, was offered a one year extension to his tenure with the Cork player group very much in favour of him staying in charge. One of our listeners very much against uh, that, particularly he felt the way they played against uh, Galway. But I'm reading Michael Moynihan in the examiner online that Kieran Kingston was offered the extension by Cork County Board officials in Semper Stadium following the one point defeat to Galway in the All-Ireland Senior Hurley quarterfinal like Saturday it's understood that officials within the, the county are resistant to the idea of an outside uh, manager now we'd one listener as I say contacted us who was very much against that but we have somebody on the other side of the fence Jerry and Carrie Galine says I think Kieran Kingston should get the 12 months extra and be given a chance. I'm a lawship supporter and if you go back to last Saturday, freeze were not missed. 
goals were not left in and Cork were certainly the better team than Galway. I wouldn't like to see somebody lose his uh, place. There is a good number of crowds coming up. I, I take it that's a good number of players, is it, uh, coming up uh, to the ranks. So Jerry in Carrigaline very much in favour of Kieran Kingston remaining on as manager of Cork Hurling. Now, when we were talking, thank you for that, when we were talking about tradespeople and what tradespeople are charging, John has, this is an old tradition, but obviously it's still in vogue in the area where John uh, lives. John says, I do farm jobs for people, things like helping out with cutting silage and hay, etc. Never look for money. I'm a barter man. So I'll take a bale of hay or two or they would help me out in return on my farm. It's a much easier way, says John. And I wonder, is there a lot of that barter system still going on? Perhaps it does go on in rural areas where one farm family will help out the neighbouring farm family and then everybody moves to the next house and helps them out as well. How much of that is going on today? I don't know. I don't know. But certainly where John is living, it is uh, working. And hi, uh, Patricia. Yes, shopping lists are very much back in vogue. Uh, I'm eating yesterday's leftover potatoes fried in a pan with some veg and I've got some grated cheese on the top and I'm putting it into a wrap. That sounds like a wonderful meal indeed. Well done. And I think, yeah, we're going to start getting creative with leftover food as well, because that's what somebody was earlier saying, where we've gone past the day of throwing anything out. I don't think, I think we will be giving up on throwing anything out. So anything left over that before would have just been dumped, people are going to be start thinking, well, what can I do with that? If that's left over, could I use that for something else? Enjoy your uh, lunch uh, to that listener. And then just on the some of the ridiculous prices when I was talking with bonkers.ie and I, when, when I knew Dara was coming on to the programme today I was thinking his the name of his website is so aptly named because some of the prices being asked particularly if tourists coming into this country are absolutely bonkers we have given examples of car hire and how ridiculously overpriced car hire has gone in this country and as you know I've been quoting one of in, in my own family circle my sister-in-law is coming back from Australia next week we're all getting very excited haven't seen her in so long because of the pandemic with her little family uh, coming over and for 20 days for car her out of Dublin airport five and a half thousand euro I mean it's just shocking it just really really is uh, shocking well well I've got someone in the paper today that I had to do a double takes and that's a misprint, is it? And it's not. It's a family from New York were quoted almost 50,000 to rent a van for nine a nine-day period on a summer holiday here in Ireland. And it's a former Leitrim councillor by the name of John McCurtain who's gone public with this story. It's his brother-in-law who's coming back from the States, obviously I'm assuming with, is it with John's sister and a couple of children. And he went on to Expedia over in America to try to see how much would it, would it be. They want to have a van. They're obviously bringing over items with them and maybe they have a lot of suitcases. I don't know, but he wants to hire a van. And he was quoted $51,353. And that works out at 48000 606 uh, euro it's for a nine or it's a nine seater van my apologies almost kind of like a small minibus wouldn't it be a nine seater van and it (laughs) this guy John McCurtain joked 
that they would have been cheaper hiring a helicopter. Car hire prices we know have rocketed in the wake of the pandemic with many firms of course were forced to sell off their fleet and that was due to the lack of tourists over the last two summers. But this former Leitrim councillor called the price an embarrassment pointing out that he could have bought the same vehicle for about €45,000. He could actually have bought it uh, cheaper. And he said, obviously, he'd never consider paying such an exorbitant rate. He didn't book the van. But he said it was a feeling of bemusement and outraged. And then John McCartan says, I googled to see how much it would cost to get the use of a helicopter. And I discovered that for a round trip of 200 kilometres, it's in the region of 3000 500 euro a day and that comes with a pilot and with fuel so it would have been cheaper to have hired a helicopter than to go for that nine seater van and of course increased uh, prices across a mid-range car for a week in June it's working out at about a thousand euro and that's up more than 50 percent from three years ago. I mean, the very high prices are on something like that when you go with something like a nine-seater van because there's so few of them available so they really can charge what they like. But even with the mid-range cards, to have increased 50% since 2019 is crazy. Uh, the Car Rental Council of Ireland say... It, they're accepting that the prices are high but they're accepting the prices are high because they don't have a lot of cars. They say it will take time for car rental companies to build car stacks, stocks back up to pre-pandemic levels. In the meantime, they're suggesting the tourists should book cars early to secure the best uh, rates. But my fear is that with the car hire companies saying it'll be a few years for them to build back up to where they were pre-pandemic, will we have turned off so many t- tourists who will look at Ireland get ridiculous quotes like that and decide that they'll go somewhere else instead. They'll go somewhere else in uh, Europe and they may never come back to us because the danger is that when we get that label of being as expensive as, you know, what we've been quoting Denmark, people will just decide to go somewhere else and we may lose. I think we certainly will lose tourists this year. But my big fear is Will we lose them forever? Will they never come back to us? 0818 103 103. We are looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is about to join us on the programme. If you have a pet question, you can call John Paul or you can Google, or not Google, you can text or WhatsApp your pet questions into us to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The Ireland Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett joins me as the sun comes out here. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. Nice. Is it sunny in Newmarket? It is absolutely beautiful here. So it's 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 a nice sunny day. So we need to just make sure that all of our pets stay nice and cool in this beautiful weather. So hopefully it will continue for the weekend. It's not. I hate to tell you there's, no. rain, there's rain on oh, the way. No. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> and it's going to be cold as well. But for today, for sure, make sure that you've got shade available and that you've got plenty of water. OK, we've been contacted by somebody who's got three uh, Rottweilers, which are great big dogs. Their bones are starting uh, to show. So I'm assuming that would indicate they're they're underweight. And the text messages come in and I think predictive text has been used. I think what she's trying to, this person is trying to say is they're fed once a day. Is that enough? And obviously for Rottweilers, should you be seeing bones on a Rottweiler? 
No. So generally, the rule of thumb is that we shouldn't be actively seeing bones along the main part of the body. So we shouldn't be seeing the ribs. We shouldn't be seeing the backbone or the pelvis. Um, now, what I will say over the legs, seeing bones is quite normal, obviously, similar to ourselves, our arms and our legs, there's kind of more exposed parts of the skeleton there. So what I would suggest is from the description, it sounds like these dogs are a little bit underweight. Now, to what degree? It's difficult to say. If you have noticed that they are becoming skinnier recently, and it certainly sounds as though that's the case, it would be time to visit your vet. You just want to make sure that there's nothing concerning going on underneath that might be causing the weight loss apart from diet. So sometimes things like a worm burden, a worm infestation, um, can cause, let's say, a, a loss of weight in a little group of dogs. Now, some more serious diseases, it will be unlikely that all three would, would have that. So it's more likely to be a problem that's kind of a more common and across the board with them. So check that there's no worm burden, have a visit to your vet and just make sure they're otherwise healthy and discuss their diet. So feeding once a day is okay. Some dogs are very, very habituated to it. I, I kind of normally go with the twice a day. So a kind of little, a littler meal more often. So twice a day is, is my preference personally. Um, but once a day is, is suitable as long as the diet is a complete diet. So I think what you need to do is get your pets weighed and have a chat to your local vet or vet nurse about exactly how much you should be feeding them for them to gain weight, to get to and maintain an appropriate weight. And also to make sure that the diet that they're eating is a complete diet and is good quality so that we make sure that we're getting the right amount of fat, protein, vitamins, minerals to make sure that your pets are healthy and can maintain weight. So I think at this stage, if you've noticed that their bones are beginning to become a little bit more prominent, it's time to take reasonably swift action at this stage before it goes any further. And obviously the same goes for dogs that are overweight. That can be as exactly. dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. My seven year old Bichon Maltese cross has a back tooth that's curled backwards. Should it be removed? Interesting. So uh, the back teeth in our dogs are usually the premolars or molars. So these are the kind of flatter, wider teeth. Now, with these ones, they're used normally for kind of that gr crunching, grinding action that we do when we're kind of um, crunching or grinding up kibble. It's unusual for it to be facing backwards, but it could just be a, an abnormality in your little dog's mouth. It could just be a tooth that's erupted at the wrong angle. And it may be causing discomfort. Sometimes we find that when teeth come out of funny angles, they can cause a lot of pain. They can cause trapping of food and knock on infections of the gums. So I would say if you've noticed that there's an abnormality in that tooth, it just doesn't look like it's in the right place or to your eye, you think there might be something up. I would visit your vet and they will most likely try to do an initial examination of the mouth to, to see what they can see with your pet awake. But it's also just really important to understand that you know, it's very difficult to tell uh, an excited little dog that we need to have a good look at their mouth and we need to open it up really, really wide. There is a limit to how much we can see with a pet awake. Um, it's not like us going to the dentist and being, being told to open our mouth and stay really still. So in some cases, it may require a sedation for your, for your vet to be able to examine the full mouth. But that's really on a case by case basis. But if you've noticed something's up at this stage, it's best to get it checked out. It may require extraction removal. Um, to prevent further problems. So I think well done for noticing and time to pop to the vet. OK, Lucy uh, got a puppy last year. It's about a year old now, fully vaccinated last year. She's wondering, does her puppy need annual boosters? She forgot to ask her vet at the time. 
Yes, so um, well done for thinking of that. I think it's really, really important to keep up to date with annual boosters. Now, very much like ourselves, I suppose we've all become a lot more familiar with vaccinations and vaccines and how the immunity drops off um, with ourselves recently having us all gone through the COVID pandemic and the vaccinations associated with that. So it's very similar in dogs. So their immunity, so the body's ability to kind of fight infection after vaccination is really good for a period of time. The, but the body needs to be reminded with annual boosters for some of the components of the vaccine so that the body can continue to kind of remember, well, when I'm, in, when I'm infected with this disease, this is what I do to get rid of it. And that's very similar to, to us when we got our COVID boosters. So think of it the same way. It is annually for dogs. So if you are within the year or so, contact your vet, get booked in for the booster. But if you have gone slightly over the year, it's not the end of the world. There are measures we can take to get your pets back on track and continue their vaccination program ongoing. So well done for, for noticing that and pop along to your vet and I'm sure they'll help to get you sorted. OK, Marion has what she describes as a very excited two-year-old Labrador. How does she stop him pulling on the lead? Marion says at times she, he can almost knock her over. He gets so excited when they're heading out on a walk. Okay, yeah. So this is a really, really difficult one. I think certainly some dogs can get so excited when they get to go out and about and get very boisterous and they can kind of pull because they are just so excited and they they think that their owners will be as excited as they are and want to, to run swiftly in the direction they want to run and they're not always right with that. It is really important to tackle this at this stage before it becomes more ingrained as a habit because it's really important longer term that you and your pet can both go for walks where you both feel comfortable and you're both safe so nobody's in risk of getting getting knocked over. So the first thing I'd do is maybe consider if, you're, if your pet is wearing a collar, maybe consider switching to a harness. Sometimes it's a little bit more control um, and it's also just a little bit more secure from, a, let's say, a safety point of view for your pet. If they pull, sometimes they're you know very likely to slip a collar and run off. So harnesses are nice and secure. In some cases, dogs will pull a little bit less when they're on a harness and that can be helpful, but not all. What I would say is that if you're really committed to getting it sorted, it would be really, really beneficial, I would say, to get a dog trainer or behaviorist involved at this point because they'll be able to work with you, see what your dog's triggers are for making them want to pull and give you some strategies to, as to how to kind of reset that behavior and make it a comfortable walking experience for everybody. Um, so I, I think it is best to get in there early and, and kind of have some strategies for how to deal with it. There's no quick fix, however, yeah. but I would say start with a harness yeah, and see how you go from there. Yeah, but it's just the bad habit. You need to just get, get them out of mm-hmm. it. OK, and very finally, can you give dogs Calpol? As pain really Ideal, Ideally, no. No. <laughs> is the answer. No. So cal- Calpol, as far as I'm aware, has paracetamol in it. Yes, it does. Which is, is a type of an anti-inflammatory. Now, Paracetamol is something that is occasionally used in dogs um, for pain relief in certain situations, but it's not something we very commonly use. That's because we generally have kind of drugs that are made for our pets. We know they're safe in them um, and they are a better option. And I think one really important thing to note is that some of the human products that have paracetamol in them have sweeteners that are toxic to dogs and cats in them. So it's really, really not a good idea to give something unless your vet has prescribed it. But also just the final word of warning, 
paracetamol is toxic to cats, so under no circumstances give cowpaw to a cat. Okay, mind of information as always. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat you again too. next week. Bye bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And when I mentioned the barter system earlier, Fran says, my neighbour Liam and I share farming for the last 25 years. Never a cent or a crossword between us. And that's from Fran in Ardpat. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you for the final one of the week tomorrow at 10. It's the line Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.